0: Ben Micellis, joined by Michael Cohen. Folks, things are getting real. Like, minutes before we went live. That's why it took us about two minutes a little bit later to start this thing than usual. Some breaking news coming over our desks right now. We've got news right now that Judge Chutkin has just endorsed a set of jury procedures that includes beginning the jury selection process in the Washington, D.C., Uh, federal criminal prosecution of Donald Trump. We just got that order. I was reading it moments before we went live. And then also moments before we went live, we're going from Washington DC to New York where the Trump kids both testified today. And at the end of the proceeding, Chris Keiss, Donald Trump's lawyer, made some other comment about the judge, is the judge's law clerk, Judge and law clerk. This just happened and in snapped. He smacked the table and said, Do not refer to my staff ever again. She is a civil servant, and sometimes I think there is a bit of misogyny going over there when you keep on referring to my female principal law clerk. The fireworks just moments ago before we went live, I wanted to make sure I was able to report on that, so apologies for being two minutes late, everyone, but Michael Cohen, a lot going down indeed across the country And I know you have a thing or two you want to say about these Trump kids testifying. (laughs) I would say disastrous would be an understatement for their. Yeah,
1: understatement is absolutely right. You know, what's crazy is they're not now going to be able to turn around and to say, oh, he was referring to Michael Cohen. He's a friend. It just goes to show you the crazy thing. How many times when I was on that stand did Chris Kyes, Turn around and call me a perjurer, a liar, a you know, a serial liar. Truth be told, they're all fucked up. All three of them, to be honest with you. But Chris Kies is the worst of them all because he's actually the only one out of the three who actually has legitimate experience to be sitting at that table. And for whatever the reason is, what is he doing? He's playing to a party of one. Nothing would make me happier than to see Ngoron sanction that scumbag, sanction him for doing exactly what his boss was doing, and that's all they're doing. They're playing to a party of one. It is absolutely gross. And one of the things that happened in the morning session um, with Don Jr. Maybe it happened yesterday. The prosecutors in for the New York Attorney General's case, Colleen Faraday, she pulled out a document, which is like a slap-in-the-face document to Don Jr., who basically stated... It doesn't really. This is one. This it's not what he does. It's not what his role was at the Trump Organization, et cetera, et cetera. But they brought out this document, and I want to read from. There's a Newsweek article, uh, Salty. If you have it, I would ask you to put it up. But during Trump Jr.'s cross examination, prosecutors presented a document dated January 15th of 2021. That showed the former president reinstating himself as trustee of the Donald J. Trump revocable trust, according to a report that came from Adam Klasfeld, who's been there day in and day out uh, during this this trial, uh, who, by the way, happens to be a correspondent for The Messenger. And the interesting thing about this document is what does it show? It shows that Donald Trump clearly knew that he lost the election because as president, he could not be operating his company, which now was in the um, control over by the revocable trust. So this then goes ahead and it destroys the entire series of lies that they kept putting out there that Donald thought that he won the election. He was going to fight in order to prove that he had won the election. Instead, he basically knew that he had lost, wanted to take back over his company because what else did he have left, right? And went ahead and had the documents signed to take over control over the revocable trust. It is A damning, damning document, to say the least. But just going back to Don Jr. for a second, who claimed that his role had really nothing to do, that he was more of a real estate broker. It's funny. Don Jr. is the real estate broker. Eric Trump is the one that pours concrete. I can't wait to hear what Ivanka has to say that her role is. And you may know that Ivanka had filed now an appeal in order to prevent her from having to testify, claiming that New York does not have jurisdiction over her. More importantly, the fact that she had nothing to do with the company and that therefore her testimony would be irrelevant. I mean, it's really, it's, it's truly spectacular. But you know what? Whether or not Ivanka testifies, truth be told, is irrelevant. It's really irrelevant. There's so much documentation, as Judge Ngorod stated, it would fill up that courtroom. And none of it, none of it is good for Donald.
0: Well, Ivanka trying to dodge her testimony and beg the Court of Appeals for help, the appellate division, sounds exactly what, like, someone who's innocent and feels that there's no liability would do. I mean, look, if she's someone who wants to be helpful, like, they are the ones who Project the image in their propaganda that they are brilliant, that they are the smartest people in the room, that they know everything. And so when they create those expectations and then they are called to provide very basic testimony about the operations and they refuse to do it, that's where I say what I despise. Is not just arbitrarily the Trumps or this or that. I despise being lied to. I despise being treated like I'm an idiot. And I know you all do as well. That's why we call this conduct out here. And Judge and Goron got in on the action because Don Jr. was just mumbling all over the place and making no sense. So Judge N'Goron said, Stop. Let me ask you a question. Let's just cut through it. Mr. Trump did you have anything at all to do with any of the statements of financial condition? Did you have anything at all to do with it? Don Jr.'s response, no, I did not, your honor. Okay. Then Engoron goes to the New York attorney general lawyer, proceed with your questioning. All right, Mr. Trump, I'd like to show you the certification to Deutsche Bank that you signed on October 31, 2017. Mr. Trump- Is that your signature right there? Yes, it is. And you signed the certification intending that the bank would rely on it. Did you not? Well, I don't know. It's a simple yes or no, Mr. Trump. Yes or no. Did you sign the certification that attached to it the statements of financial condition which you claim you have no knowledge of because you believed that the banks were going to rely on it? Well, I assume the banks were going to uh, perform their... uh, Uh, due diligence. Mr. Trump, what is it that you said there? Can you please read it for the court right now? Well, the foregoing presents fairly in all material respects the uh, financial condition of the uh, guarantor at the period presented. So you certified that these were accurate. Did you not? Well, uh, I'm sure I've signed dozens of these in my time as trustees. Dozens? Okay, let's go through them. 2018. 2019, 2020. Did you sign certification saying that all of these statements were accurate, Don Jr.? Did you sign all of them saying that they were accurate? Don Jr.'s response: rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> no further questions, Your Honor. Think about that, Cohen. How that testimony went right there.
1: Boom. There's boom. no other way to describe it. It's it's a boom moment. I mean, look. <laughs> when you're dealing with like the Alina Hobbes of the world that think that they're going to slam you by, you know, creating a single question, yes or no. And therefore that's it. It's like the, if any of you remember there used to be a show called like Matlock or Ironside where it would always come down to that last question and then boom, it changes the entire outcome. They don't have that. Look at the way that the questions were posed to Don Jr. Look at the questions that Judge Ngoron asked in order to create clarity for what's going on here. There, these questions did not allow Don Jr. under any circumstance, regardless of who's listening. I don't care if you are the 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 biggest MAGA moron with four teeth and three fucking brain cells. It makes no difference to me. You listen to these questions and then you listen to the answer. There is no conclusion other than the fact that he knew of the statements of financial condition. Plain and simple. He happens to be a defendant. He is a co-defendant in this New York Attorney General case. He is listed up there with daddy. He's listed there with dopey brother Eric. He is not listed there with Ivanka because at the time that they have this during the time period, Ivanka was special advisor or senior advisor to the president. Right, doing whatever the hell it was that she was doing. Mostly posting pictures on Instagram of her with her kids at the White House and so on. I mean, yay, fucking fabulous that we should all be paying for that, but put that shit aside anyway. There are a slew of people who are named as co-defendants, including Don Jr. and Eric. Now, it's so it's comical, comical that they held titles of executive vice presidents both Don, Ivank, and Eric had the same, you know, all three of them had the same title for development. That's what they were. They were the in charge of developments. Yet one of them has no idea technically what he was doing. The other one, he was a broker, you know, and he does have a broker's license. That I happen to know, uh, but that's not, that wasn't his job. They did that for whatever the hell the reasons were. And then the other brother who actually also has his broker's license um, here in New York. But more importantly, he he pours concrete. And I keep making fun of it because it is comical. He couldn't pour Quickset. He's an idiot. This is not what he did for the company. And the fact that these are things that you can say to a court and you don't have, for example, the prosecutors jumping up the way Chris and Cliff Robert and um, and Alina Haba, you know, screaming at the witness, which I was a little disappointed that Ngoron gave them a lot of latitude to do that. I don't see anybody jumping up screaming, you're a serial liar, you're a liar, you you know, you, you know, we should bring a perjury charge. I do hope to God that they do. I do hope that they finally, finally bring a perjury charge. These two are sitting in the witness stand. Under the penalties of perjury, because they took the same oath that I did to to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And what did they do? The same thing that dirtbag daddy did, and that was lied to the judge immediately. It didn't take Donald more than a minute before which he lied to the judge. And it didn't take these two too much time either before they lied to the judge. There should be perjury charges brought immediately on all three of them, plain and simple. You want to turn around and start playing, you know, the the victim, play the victim. What they are, not victims, they're fucking liars.
0: Michael Cohen, what do you make of the fact that Donald Trump decided he was going to show up for your testimony, but when it came to being there for his kids to testify, nowhere to be seen?
1: I think he likes me better than them. You know, that was always, you know, that was always the sort of rumor around the office that he enjoyed hanging out with me a lot more than he did, you know, hanging out with his kids. And obviously because of that close relationship that we have, you know, it was like a jilted lover for him whereby, you know, now here I am testifying against him. So I guess he thought that by his presence in that room, it would either, intimidate me or it would invoke some, you know, past feeling of loyalty uh, and fealty to him that maybe I wouldn't say the things that I was going to say. Um, I don't know, but think about it this way. If it was your kid that was on the witness stand and you're talking about a case that could potentially destroy your company. It's already going to be shut down. The question, of course, again, becomes how much money is the attorney general going to ask for? How much is Judge Ngoron going to award as it relates to disgorgement based upon the actions of the Trump, the kids, the Trump organization? They had before me, they had someone on the stand, or it could have been after, no, I think it was before me. They had someone take the stand who was an expert in disgorgement numbers. And according to this individual, just insurance alone, that the amount of disgorgement, the amount of money that they deprived insurance brokers, carriers, et cetera, over the years in question, amounted to, I think it was $147 million. So figure, just round it to $150 million. Now, mind you, does that get tacked on to the $250 that Tish James is looking for? Is it part of the $250 million? I'm not sure, but that only deals with, with insurance there are so many more elements of disgorgement and that 150 million well what did they use that 150 million to buy what did that 150 million what was it used in order to pay for whether it's for upkeep maintenance what whatever it might be those assets that are obtained with the proceeds of the illegally gotten gains the disgorgement is now taken because it becomes like a fruit of the disgorgement proceeds and so those assets end up getting taken as well it is a vicious financial cycle that if that if judging goron does what i expect or i suspect that he's going to do and i believe that the amount of disgorgement will be in excess of $600 million. That's the end of the Trump organization, not just Trump organization's ability to operate in New York. It will be the end of the company across the board financially.
0: By the way, we've got Judge and emojis for all the members of our YouTube nice. channel. I love seeing the Judge and Goran emoji. So You heard Don Jr.'s testimony or me reenacting Don Jr.'s testimony where he states he has no knowledge of the statement of financial conditions at all, despite certifying they're accurate, which he then said, rinse and repeat, (laughs) rinse and repeat. So then Eric takes the stand and Eric is uh, provided with all of these emails, which shows that he's not just involved in the statement of financial conditions, but involved with the appraisals that either found their way or didn't find their way on the statement of financial conditions, depending if it was favorable or not to him. So then Eric's asked, like, okay, here are emails showing that you were involved in the process, that Jeff McCani, the controller, had provided you with statement of financial conditions and asked for your input. Here you are speaking with tax advisors. So will you now concede that you were well aware of your dad's statements of financial condition by the time of those emails that show that you're involved in the statement of financial conditions? Answer, no, I was not very familiar with my father's statement of financial conditions. Okay, well, Michael Cohen, what do you think is the very first thing that Donald Trump states? When I say the very first thing, I mean, the very first thing, when Donald Trump is asked at his deposition, so what's your role in the Trump organization? Like the first question after, what's your name? Where do you live? What's your role? Well, I don't really have a role at the Trump organization. My son, Eric, was responsible for it at all relevant time periods. And,
1: and what does Don Jr. and Eric will do? We gave this stuff to our accountant. It was all given to the account. And, you know, we pay them big money, $2 million a year for them to do these sort of tasks for the company. And they blamed Donald Bender. They blamed everybody else except for themselves. It is truly, truly a, it's like, it's magnificent to see how they are now trying to emulate their father. Both the way Eric started carrying on and, you know, ignoring the uh, questions, which were yes or no from, uh, what do you call it, from Colleen uh, Faraday, the prosecutor for the New York Attorney General. And he wanted to expand. Now, it's funny because when I wanted to expand on an answer, even Judge Ngoron sided with Alina Haba. And saying, "Mr. Cohen, just answer the question: yes or no. If that's the question she's asking you, just answer the question as is." I said, "Your Honor," I said, "Not everything is easily answered yes or no. There's, there's a backstory to some of this. There's more information that's on there." He goes, "Just, he goes, just answer the question. It would be the be- It would be best. That's how we'll get this case to move. You know, to move faster." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." Your Yarni, that's what you say? uh, No problem. That's what I'll do. And that's what I did. And fortunately, again, Colleen Faraday was, um, you know, she was pretty good on the redirect, asked me the questions. And the questions that she asked, of course, were not yes or no. They gave me the ability to tell the story, which I did in terms of even explaining that Donald Trump speaks like a mob boss. He did not specifically tell me to go and inflate the statement of financial conditions. Rather, he said it in the way that he always says things. I'm not worth $5 billion. In fact, I'm probably worth even more than six. It could be seven. You know what? The more I'm thinking, it's probably worth eight. I'm probably worth $8 billion. You and Alan, go back to Alan's office, figure it out. Okay. And we know exactly what he meant. Listen, despite the fact I was with him for over a decade, Alan for over four decades. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what he wants. And so we come back, as I stated, and they, people were laughing about it. And so we came back in a day or two thereafter with the changes into it showing around or close to the number that he was seeking us to come up to, reverse engineering of the numbers. And he then approves it. And then, and then Alan takes it. That was the for, for my role. Alan takes it. Deals with Mazers or whoever else over there that he was dealing with, and the document gets produced. And once the document is produced, we use it. We use it for all the reasons stated. And you know, it's very funny. They talk about oh, Donald, um, Don, you know, nobody lost money. There were no defaults, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm not really hundred percent certain that that's true either. For example, take a look. It may not be in the time period, but that's not true. I mean, since he was bullshitting on his uh, statement of financial condition for many, many years, let's not forget, you know, there were issues that took place, for example, like at Trump Tower in Chicago, right, where, you know, he ended up making a great deal because he was losing it and he was also going to have to pay on a performance bond and so on. Instead instead of that, they went ahead and they allowed him on almost like pennies on the dollar to buy the debt from them. It was a whole group of hedge funds, uh, you know, <laughs> including Steve Mnuchin, who ultimately became a fan favorite of Donald's and then made into the Secretary of the Treasury. You know, I mean, it's truly amazing. You know, uh,
0: the magasplainers, you know, that's my term I'm, and I'm sticking with it. This magasplaining to me when they go, you don't understand, Ben, the fair market value is over 5,000. It's always over 5,000% more than the appraised value. It's like, no, no, it's not. That That's not the way it works. I understand if the fair market value in some instances are slightly higher or even somewhat significantly higher than, let's say, the property appraisal by the Palm Beach County tax assessor. Sure, not 5,000%. And Also, what you are failing to state is that Donald Trump and the Trump organization were the ones who certified what the valuation was. And they had the opportunity to challenge it. And they said, because they checked the box that it, remember, check the box. They checked a box that said commercial. And based on all of these historical easements that were placed on the property like Mar-a-Lago, that is, and they got a lot of tax benefits from that. That is why the valuation that Trump argued for was under $27 million. So enough with the magasplaining. Also, if you are the leader of a powerful international corporation, okay? If, if that's if that's the Halloween costume that Eric and Don Jr. wanna dress up as. Fortune 500 people and they care so much what Forbes Magazine says. Okay, I'm, I'm following you here. So they're the leader of a powerful multinational organization, which by the way, Trump organization isn't. I don't know. Don't you think they should know some basic stuff? Like shouldn't Don Jr. know that He has a power of attorney document, and know that he signed a power of attorney, and at the most basic level, recognizing a document that makes him a co-trustee. We we could get into what his powers are, which he didn't fully know either. But don't you think you'd recognize that document? Don't you think Eric would look at the statement of financial conditions? I get, I get that Fortune five hundred CEOs, which they are not, but I get that people rely on professionals. I I used to be a a litigate. That happens all the time. Yes. But you don't, if you're in a position of power, if you're an executive, you don't cede all control and play blind and go, you know what?
1: But Ben, Ben, I'm just going to let the, not even in all fairness, that's not even what this case is about. What this case is about is the fact that they use the document in order to enrich themselves. That's what the case is about. As far as the liability, you know, because we've talked about this on political beatdown. We've talked about it on all the podcasts on uh, the Midas Touch Network, where he's already lost that first that first part. The um, you know, the fraud de- uh, determination pursuant to the motion that you know again Judge Engoron um, approved. That part is over. This is now merely once again for Donald, it is a trial for damages, plain and simple. And the biggest problem with the Don with Don Jr, with Eric and so on, and even Alan Weiselberg in the way that they're testifying let me tell you how it how this thing panned out, and it's easy for me to say because I've seen it happen before. Let's not forget there was the attorney general case, uh, the one with uh, Trump Soho, and there was also the other case uh, which which dealt with uh, Trump University. So here's what happens: the brain trust, and I'm talking about the lawyers, the Chris Kai's, the Alina Habas, and the um, and the Cliff Robert. Along with Alan Garten, who's general counsel, and maybe one or two other individuals, they're all sitting down at a table with Don Jr. and Eric. And they're coming up with, of course, questions that they're going to ask and how to stay on message. They need to answer the questions. And everybody starts throwing their two cents in. The problem is that you have Alina Haba, who, for whatever the reason might be, Uh, thinks that she is the new fixer, that she's the new protector of Donald Trump. And she'll do and say anything in order to give the appearance that she's protecting him. In fact, every time she opens her mouth, she puts him behind the eight ball because it's a jury, I'm sorry, it's not a jury trial. She fucked that up already. This This is a bench trial. So she is now pissing off, as Donald is, as Don Jr. is, as Eric is. They're pissing off the guy who now is making the determination on the disgorgement, on the amount of money that you are, and your company and the co-defendants are going to be fined. Plain and simple. That's a really stupid strategy. Now, if you had something intelligent to say, that could help to exonerate you, then by all means, you should be doing it. And you should be laying that out in a foundation, whether it's on cross or a redirect. However, that's what they're supposed to do. But no, what they do, it's all performative. They're all performing to a party of one. And the question you have to ask yourself is why? Why? And I think the answer is because they already know what the outcome is going to be. They already know that they don't have the assets in order to cover the disgorgement, whether it's a baseline of 250 or it hits the numbers that I keep saying in excess of 600 million. That's probably what's going on here. And so their feeling is, all right, look, the only thing that we can do is as soon as we get The negative decision, we'll just appeal it and we'll delay, delay, delay as much as we can. And hopefully that Trump ends up pulling off a victory in 2024. And even I want, I want brigaders, I really want you to hear this because this is this is a thought that that I was, you know, that entered my mind very early in the morning. And I wanted to share it with you. So just imagine for a second he gets whacked with a $600 million number. And we all know that he doesn't have $600 million in equity after paying off taxes, because we talked about that before. His basis in some of these properties are insanely low. Like, for example, 40 Wall Street, his basis is $1 million. Not to mention there's recapture and on the depreciation. On top of that, he's going he's to get taxed as a New York resident, um, because that's where the property is located. So you have city, state, and federal. So whatever the amount is going to be, minus what mortgage he may have on that property with taxes, it leaves very little in order to pay off the disgorgement amount. So here's the danger. Hypothetically, the Mandarin Mussolini, Captain Chaos, the sociopath himself, somehow manages to win the election. Somehow manages. What do you think that he's going to do? Well, we already know what he said he's going to do. He's going to rewrite the Constitution. And by rewriting the Constitution, he's going to strip the judiciary and the legislative branches of government of their power, as you know, created by the tripartite system of our founding fathers. And he's going to confer all power to the executive branch, which, of course, is him and him alone as the chief executive. In essence, he's making himself a king. That's really what's going to happen here. His power of executive privilege, in and the fact that he can write, uh, you know, executive uh, uh, executive privilege documents, will basically will not basically will make him into a king. So he will do because Donald Trump doesn't think of things on his own, but he sees what others have done and thinking that it's really cool. He'll do the same. So let me give you an example on what will happen day number two after he confers all the power of government to the executive branch, to himself. This is crazy shit. So listen up to this. He's going to call in people like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, the Walt family. Um can call in all the top 100 billionaires in this country, the mega billionaires. And he'll say to people like Elon Musk, and I hope Elon, somebody maybe on this, you know, who's watching today out of the 20,000 people or wherever that are watching right now, and the hundreds and five, 600,000 people that will ultimately, hopefully one person knows Elon and that they can get this message to him. He will ask you, how much money are you worth? And you'll come back and you'll say, well, according to the latest number, it's $300 billion. And Donald will laugh at him and say, no, you're worth $1 billion. And he'll get him to sign over $299 billion. And then everybody will say, stop it, Michael. That's bullshit. Can't happen. You can't do that. Well, you can if you're the king. You can if all the power of government is conferred upon you. Well, you know what, if you don't, I think that you, Then who did this? Mohammed bin Salman did it, and he did it to his own fucking relatives. So what do you think Donald Trump will end up doing? And he'll go down the line. Really, you don't want to do it? He'll have you jailed for what? For stock manipulation, for fraud on America, for treason, whatever. The same bullshit that Mohammed bin Salman did to his relatives, to the other royals in Saudi Arabia. That's what he's going to do because he's not thinking out of the box. He thought it was cool that this guy hung them by their necks until such time as they signed over what he wanted. And Donald will be the richest man in the world legitimately overnight. So he's thinking to himself at this moment, if he could win the election, it changes everything for him. He doesn't give a shit about his paltry Two billion, three billion, one billion, whatever the number is, because he will be worth close to a trillion dollars, if not more. And mark my words, I know that sounds hyperbolic and it sounds really far fetched and so on. It's not. Not if you know Donald Trump and if not if you know the way he thinks. This is the way he thinks. And this is just the beginning of the chaos that he's going to create in this country. And
0: while that may sound Hyperbolic. That may sound like some of the craziest thing you ever heard. You should be aware that and I'm sure you are that Cohen knows exactly how that man thinks exactly how the mango Mussolini thinks and that exact thought. Verbatim of what Cohen just articulated is what goes on in Donald Trump's mind. When Trump talks about Viktor Orban, he's the king. President Xi, he's the king. MBS, he's the all-powerful. Vladimir Putin. That's what he's telling you, and Michael Cohen just decoded it and put it in kind of clearer terms you know, and than I've ever had it off, in. Before,
1: before we jump off this, I want to just decode one more thing, and let's. And you're, you're, I, I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but two years before I turned around, and I told you that if Donald Trump loses, that there'll never be a peaceful transfer of power during that congressional testimony before the House Oversight Committee. There's a couple of the predictions that you know, that I made that they have all come true. I'll tell you one more. Have you noticed that Donald Trump has started to speak so much now about fentanyl and about, you know, it's all coming through Mexico and Sleepy Joe is, you know, is fast asleep at the wheel and they're just walking in with, you know, with thousands of pounds worth of fentanyl and hundreds of thousands of our fellow beautiful Americans are all dying because of fentanyl overdoses. They don't even know what they're taking, yada, yada, yada. There's a reason why he's doing that too. And, you know, this shit comes to my mind at two, three o'clock in the morning when with my PTSD, when I wake up and I'm not joking when I say this, the reason he's doing it is, well, they are our border, you know. They they are our border country, and um, let's take an example of what country borders another country that they invaded and took over. Well, how about Russia and Ukraine with Crimea? What do you think Trump is going to do? that son of a bitch is going to turn around. He's going to start going on. I know this sounds crazy, but this is what goes on in his mind. He's going to turn around and say the only way that we can stop the fentanyl and the other drugs from coming in, the cocaine and yada yada, is the only way is we need to invade Mexico. All right. True. That's what he's going to want to do. He will want to invade Mexico. Why? Well, because Putin did it. So Putin can do it with Crimea. Why should we not take over? Remember, he wanted to buy Greenland, right? Or take over Greenland, right? Here, why should he? What's Mexico going to do? And then if he decides that he wants to roll the tanks into Canada, what's Canada going to do? I mean, you know, here's a funny line that he used to say, you know, or that he heard and then he repeated. Our Salvation Army can kick their ass. So what's Canada going to do? They're going to fight with the United States? You think England's going to come to their defense? I don't think so. And so this is the way the guy thinks. He's going to start wanting to annex our border neighbors because that way we don't even need to think about it. We take over. We don't even need at this point anymore to do what? To build the wall. They're now part of us. We control them. We own them. They're, you know, and don't worry now about immigration because they're going to get a dual citizenship. They're going to become Americans, blah, 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 blah. There's going to be every excuse in the world as to why what he's going to end up wanting to do and trying to effectuate. This is crazy. This is all crazy shit.
0: Michael Cohen, we're got to take our first ad break and we'll be right back. I want you to tell everyone, though, about Patreon because they've heard me pitch it before, but it's patreon.com slash political beatdown. I think it's more important because you're the one who's responding to the messages. You're in the chat. You're the one who's answering all the questions during the live Zoom meetings. For those who are on the fence here, why do you think that people should join this Patreon, patreon.com slash political beatdown?
1: Well, I thought we were going to a commercial break, but no problem. Uh, why? Sh- why sh- this is our little private community where we interact. We had an incredible, I think there was like 150 or 160 uh, of the members. Now, mind you, we've now surpassed 1,200 um, subscribers, which is fantastic. First of all, to start, it helps to support the show, which is, of course, extremely Important. It helps to um, it helps to finance uh, the rest of the network as well, uh, which is extremely important because here through the Midas Touch Network, whether it's political beatdown, my Maya culpa podcast. If you haven't subscribed on now the new RSS feed on uh, the Midas Touch Network, please do. Um, I have Harry Dunn dropping uh, tomorrow, which I think you'll really appreciate. But what it does is it gives the ability to provide you with information that's not innuendo it's there's no spin onto it it is factual now it may be it may be hard on trump or his kids and so on that's true but then again it happens to also be accurate information. You know, we're not doing like what, for example, Fox News or or even sometimes some of the, you know, the the guests that come on uh, some of the other cable networks. There's no spin here. It is factually accurate. And look what we always do. We throw up the articles. We throw up the documents. You know, and I don't mean throw up and throw up. I mean we put up the <laughs> we put up the documents to show you Everything that we tell you, everything that we share with you, is factually accurate and predicated upon documentary evidence. Ben and I, both uh, both lawyers, of course, he's still practicing; I'm disbarred, but we both have trial experience, and that's the way that you prove your case through documentary evidence, not through hearsay. And that's too much. We don't. I hate it when all of a sudden you're watching on some of these uh, these channels, these you know, cable or even uh, network. Where they're like, well, you know, in my opinion, I'm not interested in your opinion. Fuck you and your opinion. <laughs> Keep it. Facts and nothing but the facts. So if you, so join. So please, you know, join uh, our Patreon account, Patreon.com/slash/politicalbeatdown. People are asking me questions all the time. I respond to as many as I possibly can. I sort of use, I sort of use that as a way of, you know. Um, keeping myself busy at 3:30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so understand, it is not a, it's not an algorithm or some sort of an AI uh, generated. It's actually me uh, having a lot of problems in terms of sleeping. But it's important, and it's a great community off of this political beatdown brigade community as well. Uh, so if you have the ability to do it, we have a great time on the live which we're going to be doing more of those. And there'll be also, as we start to produce merchandise and other, um, you know, there'll be obviously benefits to being um, a member of the Patreon. Uh, So there are things that'll be only for them. It's it's just a small little community off of our incredible, incredible beatdown brigade.
0: I got to show you some of these videos that Trump's been making of himself and posting. These are pre-recorded videos. So he and his team ostensibly watch them and go, Okay, let's put
2: that out there. Want to show you that and more, but let's take a quick break. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Fume. Cold turkey, it may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your wacky neighbor or some sketchy message board. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. Now, not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses all natural, delicious flavors. You get it, instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. The first time I used Fume, I was shocked at how flavorful and fresh it tasted. Now, it's easy to hold and perfectly balanced and quite honestly, extremely fun to fidget with. The real wood material and sleek design definitely classes it up and I feel pretty darn cool holding it. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories. And there's no reason that can't be you. Head to tryfume.com and use code BEAT to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfume.com and use code BEAT to save an additional 10% off your order today.
0: Lomi is the only appliance that prevents food waste from stinking up your kitchen and polluting the planet. Now that I've invested in a Lomi, it's changed the way I deal with my food waste. Lomi is the biggest innovation in the modern day kitchen since the dishwasher. Lomi has helped me turn my home into a climate solution. Now I can transform my organic waste into nutrient-rich Lomi earth that I can feed to my plants, lawn, or garden instead of sending it to the landfill. I can help the environment and make my life easier. In just four hours, Lomi transforms almost anything you eat into nutrient-rich plant food at the push of a button. It's smart, simple food recycling that fits my space perfectly. Cut the chore of doing the trash in half and eliminate bugs and odors in your kitchen, and here's the bonus, you get to feed your lawn and garden with an all natural fertilizer that you just created out of your food scraps. All my food scraps, plant clippings, and even those leftovers I forgot in the back of the fridge can go back into my garden, helping me grow more nutritious food at home. I learned that food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint also. By reducing the amount of food I send to landfill, I'm helping to do my part for the planet. Whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com beat and use the promo code beat to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash beat, B-E-A-T and use promo code beat at checkout. Thank you Lomi for sponsoring this episode. We are back. We are beat down. It's great to be oh. here. Michael Cohen, I normally have cut to the commercial break sooner and special shout out to all of our pro-democracy sponsors. But you giving us that insight into what Donald Trump is thinking right now. And while some of the stuff you were saying, I was, you know, it's easy to be like, no, that's just completely how- that is how he thinks. You know exactly how he thinks. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. And this is how he thinks. These are videos that I'm about to show you, not from speeches where he uh, blames the lights or he's doing something extemporaneous, even though he's supposed to be reading a speech. These are videos he pre records and then says, you know what? I'm going to post that on my social media. So let me just show you a few, Cohen, and then I'll get you a reaction to kind of all of them. Here, Donald Trump says, and he he posted two of these. I won't show you both because they're basically the same one. He goes, this is your chance to take a stand against the tyrants that support MAGA. So he's talking, he means to say something, but he calls MAGA tyrants. Here, play this clip.
3: This is your chance to take a stand against tyrants that support the one and only movement that can save our country and make America great again.
0: That's a pre-recorded video here. Donald Trump could you imagine none of
3: the
1: idiots that are working for him from the Dan Scavinos all the way to the, you know, to the Steve Miller's and so on. Not one of them caught that. Can you imagine? He
0: I can't imagine because the issue is MAGA equals fascism plus idiocracy. And fortunately, the idiocracy has been sufficiently above the fascism to kind of prevent it. But trust me, they are out there with MAGA Mike and others trying to calculate it. By the way, can I say this about this MAGA Mike guy? I don't because I don't want to lose this thought. MAGA Mike, the Republican Speaker of the House, right, Cohen? The Republicans lecture us. All about finances, right? That's their thing. Fiscally conservative. Let me tell you, we need balance this balance. First and foremost, they added $8 trillion to the debt and constantly ran the biggest deficit. So just push that aside. But MAGA Mike, the Speaker of the House, who wants to lecture us on savings and this, doesn't have a checking account or a savings account. Neither does his wife. And uh, reporters have gone back, Daily Beast went back to the financials where you have to list, if you have any material amount of money in a savings or a checking account, you have to disclose that as as someone who's running for Congress or as a member of Congress. And then he checked the box, not applicable. Now, I certainly understand that there would be reasons why certain people would not have checkings or savings accounts. This is the Speaker of the House of Representatives who draws a salary of over $200,000 a year. His wife draws a salary, and they've never opened up a checking or a savings account. Now, you could try to mag that where does, he,
1: where does he put the money?
0: Exactly. Here, Donald, I I just, I don't want to leave that thought because that was like wild. Here, Donald Trump says that his Republican opponents in the Iowa caucus, this is Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, and others, that they are trying to cheat, that they are rigging Iowa against him. Here, play this clip.
3: Our wonderful Trump caucus captains, thank you for all that you're doing. We really appreciate it. The most important thing you can do for our campaign is to lock in your 10 for Trump and turn them out for caucuses, teach them how to caucus, take them in your car on caucus night. If you have to uh, do whatever is necessary, we gotta get them in, we gotta make America great again. So do whatever it takes. If you do, we will win and win big and that's what you have to do. You know the other side does cheat and we're not gonna let that happen. We cannot let that happen but that's what we need from you. Get in your car, get a lot of people and get down and caucus. Give
0: it- Maybe he doesn't know what a caucus is. Okay, here Donald Trump says that the New York Post is a radical leftist publication who that went bad on Trump and they better be nice to him or they will go out of business. An actual video we put out here. Play this clip.
3: Since the New York Post went bad on Trump and they have gone bad, Their numbers have fallen tremendously. People aren't buying it. They don't want to read that. The New York Post has treated me great for almost a lifetime. And now, for whatever reason, and I guess it's radical left or the rhino stuff, they have gone really bad and it's ridiculous. But the numbers are down. Their numbers of readers and everything else has gone down tremendously. Great people are tired of hearing fake news. The New York Post used to be so good but not anymore. We have to get it back before it's too late. Because frankly, if they don't change, there will be no more New York Post. And that would be sad.
0: And by the way, who's like cutting and editing these things, right? <laughs> and when then you, finally...
3: Could you imagine
1: that the a guy who wants to be the president of the United States is now... Shitting on Rupert Murdoch's New York Post because he doesn't like the way that they are portraying him. I mean, this baby, this thin skinned, you know, look, it's yeah, every every show, you know, somebody has to get the two-finger salute. And I hate the fact that Donald has received it on more than one occasion because there's so many people out there. But this ongoing nonsense by Donald day in and day out. I can fix it. I could do it in 24 hours. Right. Oh, this company's going out of business because you better change your ways. You better kiss my ass. Listen, Donald, the only thing that goes should go up your ass is the two fucking fingers salute. All right. Fuck you. Enough is enough already. All right. You are truly the greatest threat to American democracy and the future of this country. I mean, just fuck off. Fuck off and fuck off. It's just, there's no other way to describe this. I've, like so many of the brigaders, and if you agree with me, hit the blue heart, all right, because enough, enough. You can't fix the issue with Russia and Ukraine in 24 hours. You can't fix the immigration. You can't fix fentanyl. Everything in, he could fix the Israel, uh, Hamas, uh, you know, issue everything in 24 hours that this guy can do fucking funny because in 4 years he accomplished shit nothing everything he promised his his maga morons he hasn't delivered shit so donald enough already it's like it's exhausting just fuck the fuck off
0: which is why though also you can't call this maga you know someone suggested we call him maga crafts but they're certainly not conservative. I mean, you you look down every issue. Are, are they fiscally conservative? Eh, they caused eight trillion dollars of debt and printed more money than ever and then they maga-splain. Let me tell you, we've got this great speaker of the house who doesn't have a checking or savings account right. who who is you know who is part of a group of people who raised the debt by 8 trillion dollars and by the way raised your taxes. It's something where the democrats need to just be clear about. Stop letting these maga republicans take this label, these MAGA-crats, of being fiscally conservative. 8 trillion dollars in debt. Just repeat it over and over again. The one thing that Donald gets is if you repeat something over and over again, even the dumbest yep. shit that people start saying it. So actually repeat the true stuff over and over again, like $8 trillion in debt, he, like Trump, $8 trillion in debt. There's nothing fiscally conservative about it. They raised your taxes. Unless you're a billionaire or a deca-millionaire, you didn't get tax benefits under the maga and the MAGA-Republicans. And speaking of a maga here you have Lauren Boebert. This is her today. And here oh, she goes on the House floor and whining in a, uh, on a, on a floor speech about how something about the regulations on oil have caused has that's the reason her restaurant had to shut down because roughnecks i don't even know what she's talking about roughnecks, play, play this clip
3: colorado's west slope used to have a booming energy production economy
0: unfortunately we've been regulated into poverty in colorado's third district
3: i remember when i owned a small business roughnecks used to come into my restaurant and I knew that it was going to be a good, successful, profitable day because I had mud on my floor to clean up. But through regulations,
0: there was no more mud to clean up on nearly any of our business floors and many businesses shuttered forever. I mean, the stupidest thing in the world, I mean, what is she even talking about? But she voted against the infrastructure projects in her district And then tries to claim credit for it. She votes against her district, and then frolics to watch Beetlejuice in Denver, and starts fiddling a a Democratic boyfriend in a public place while while blowing vape smoke on people, like like completely insane. And then talking about kind of magocrats like Tommy Tuberville. An interesting thing happened that I want to highlight as well, Cohen. This happened last night. So the other Republicans in the Senate, they show up to try to go do a one-by-one vote on the members of our military that Tommy Tuberville is holding up, right? He's blocking it. A single senator has the power to block uh, consent votes if if you object to it. Then you have to go through unanimous consent. That's only, only
1: because of the numbers. That, that's all that that's all that it's about. It's not that anyone could stop it. It's because it's so close in terms of vote
0: well, 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 any one person can stop yes. by objecting a unanimous voice vote consent, and then you have to go through a process of, working it through a committee, putting individual hearings, which would take up the entire year. So that's what Tommy Tuberville is trying to do. So here is a Republican Senator Sullivan on Tuberville's attacks against the U.S. military, where Tuberville says the military is too woke for him and that that's one of the reasons he's not allowing for there to be promotions of members of the military. this is a Republican right now talking about Tommy Tuberville in Alabama. Play this clip.
1: By the way, Xi Jinping is watching this right now, going, I can't believe they're not letting these guys command. I'm scared to death of subs. He's loving this. So is Putin. They're loving it. How dumb can we be, man?
0: Well, very dumb. Very and, and don't and don't don't include us in we. We we ain't part of that. That's your crew. That's the MAGA crats. That's the MAGA splainers right there. Cohen, I'll give you the final word.
1: Yeah, look, there's there's like I said before, there's so many people that deserve the two-fingers salute, like Lauren Hobert or Marjorie toilet Green or Tommy Tubby tuberville I mean, there's so many stupid people that are representatives in Congress. Yeah, it's it's scary, to be honest with you, that. Somehow or another, these mentally deficient dopes are able to sucker enough people to get them a congressional pin. And they don't really give a shit about the country. I don't care what anybody tells me. I really don't. When it comes to Tommy Tuberville, the fact that he would block the appointments of our military and his own party keeps telling him, and it's not just. This gentleman, it's a whole slew of them that said, "I don't even know what to say. This is the biggest fu to our country, and it's true. It's so true." And then, you know, look, you know, Lauren Boebert, It's like every time she gets on, it's like you just you just laugh because all you could think of, yeah, you know, oh, she's she wasn't able to, you know, to. Her escort service wasn't, you know, isn't making the same amount of money. What the? The whole thing is a joke. George Santos, that pathetic, pathetic jerk off. Look at what's going on with this GOP. They are shitting up our country. They are making us the laughing stock of America. But you know what? I'm going to put all that aside. I just want to remind everyone, as I do on every single show, the most important thing so that we can get rid of these jerk offs. The only way is to vote them out. The only way that we destroy MAGA and Trumpism and this whole whacked out ideology that they possess is you vote these idiots out of office. In that way, Trumpism dies because right now they think that it benefits them. Once it stops financially benefiting them, just watch how everybody runs. They all skate away and there'll be nothing left, you know, of Trump, Trumpism, and the MAGA world. And they'll still be your little side pockets, but nobody, they'll crawl back under the rocks from which they came. Short of that, like I said before, you know, please subscribe to the new Maya Culpa. You'll see it has the blue background. There you are. All right, it's a Midas Touch network podcast. So you know there's you can go anywhere that you listen to your podcast, find it, subscribe. You know if that means you have to unfollow the one that's in red, you could do that too. Um don't care about that RSS feed anymore. All the new episodes uh, are gonna be here and we'll ultimately upload the back library. most of you have probably already listened to it on top of that, like I said, Here at Political Beatdown, no nonsense, no lies, no innuendo, just facts. And that's what we all need. Make sure that you get out there. Make sure that you are registered to vote. I say it every single time. Make sure that you, uh, anybody that lives in your house over the age of 18, registered to vote, your neighbors, your friends, your family, your coworkers. I don't care if it's, you know, the guy down the street just ask them. By the way, you registered to vote? Well, here's how you do it. Make sure, and then make sure everybody gets to the the polls because, again, the only way for us to save democracy, and I mean it, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I say this all the time. The only way for us to ensure the continuation of democracy and to get back to a sense of normalcy and end Trumpism and fascism and whatever else that we want to call it, the MAGA mania, is to vote them all out of office. So again, to everybody, thank you so much for being part of our brigade, for being part of this community.
0: We've got the Brother Podcast coming up in just a few hours, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. We will see you then. It's easy to subscribe to the new Mea Culpa RSS feed. Just remember, no more red We are for blue now, blue Blue mea culpa, from red to blue, an easy switch, just like many states in our country and just like the House of Representatives in 2024, from red to blue. We've got a new video that just dropped on the Midas Touch feed where I talk about what's going on in Virginia with the big November 7th vote and what you can do to help out in Virginia. When this video ends, you can check that out as well. It's on the main Midas Touch feed. And uh, Cohen and I are going right now to record the after show at patreon.com slash Beatdown. So if you want to join uh, the Patreon after show, now is the time to do that, patreon.com slash politicalbeatdown. Check out the videos on the Midas touch feed, especially the new one that just dropped, Virginia on November 7th. Very, very, very important stuff. We'll see you next time on Political Beatdown. Shout out to the Midas mighty.